Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Kyle Brandt's Basement is presented by Allstate. Protect yourself from mayhem and save money by switching to Allstate. Merry Christmas! Happy Holidays! Happy Hanukkah! Happy everything, guys. Happy to be here with you today in my basement. As you know, this actually is Kyle Brandt's basement. The garage is that way. The bar is that way. Thank you for being here. This is going to be a really fun show. Just hang out. Pour yourself a drink. Kick your feet up. You've already checked out WorkWise of 2022. I know I have, so come join me. We're going to talk about all the quarterbacks that have big, big, big things at stake starting tonight. Jaguars, Jets. I'm going to give you the top three guys who I'm like, oh my God, they need to make some plays this weekend. They need to get the win. I'm going to do that. We're going to talk about, I think my favorite character in any Christmas movie ever. I hate him, but I love him. And you know how it is. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into it because he's probably freezing his baguettes off. Do you know who that is? I bet you do. Plus, we did a, what we call in the biz, a social call out where I wanted you guys to get in here and tell me, what are your favorite second and third string characters the RB2, the wide receiver three in Christmas movies. Not Kevin McAllister, not Buddy the Elf. Those little, little side parts. Those little, those little helpers. The pizza kid in Home Alone. The store manager in Elf. That's who I'm looking for in Manage. You have great ones. Speaking of you guys, we did Say Anything today. Say Anything Holiday Edition. Call in with any sort of story, complaint, fear, mess up, screw up, faux pas pertaining to the holidays. Could be sports related, could be not. And we're always going to do brand awareness. Got a lot of headlines in the NFL and elsewhere. But that's it. I'm in a great mood today. I usually am. But today I'm in a special holiday mood. Let's get things started. Ah, I can't even make layups with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Oh, I love those quarterback storylines this weekend. I love them. Just low-hanging fruit, just pick it right off. It's juicy. Take a beautiful bite out of it. It's great. Goes down easy. Simple. Right here, I'm going to run through them. Zach Wilson tonight against the Jaguars. Got to win. Trevor Lawrence really needs a win, too. Zach Wilson, got to win. Zach Prescott against the Philadelphia Eagles. No Jalen Hurts. Daniel Jones versus the Vikings this weekend. Is he the guy now? Is he the guy in the future? Is he the guy ever? Has he ever been? Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts is going to be out. One of these guys that count for five touchdowns this weekend and take a giant leap forward in the MVP conversation. You know I love those MVP conversations. No, I don't. That's okay. That's what you have. Sunday night football. Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady going to lose again? Is he going to lose a ninth game? That's going on. He's versus the Cardinals. Guys, is Tom Brady going to lose to Trace McSorley? We laugh and we can't imagine it. Tom Brady lost to P.J. Walker this year. Tom Brady loses to most players he goes against this year. I don't want to see it. I'm not interested in that. I hated Michael Jordan on the Wizards. Hated it. I don't want to have that kind of ending for Tom Brady. Probably still going to win the NFC South, even if he does lose to Trace McSorley. But I would put it like this. With all these guys, with all this pressure on them, all the guys I just named, who do you think needs it the most? Who do you think just needs a game? And I mean needs a no interception, no fumble, two to three touchdown win. Talk to the on-field reporter afterwards. Join the network desk. Have a big moment for them. Who needs it the most? I would start at number three. I'm going to go Dak Prescott. He's at number three. Okay? In the whole world of Dak conversation and Dak debates, is Dak elite? Is Dak great? Is he worth the money? Can he win a Super Bowl? On and on and on. 
There's a lot of critics and a lot of naysayers, and then there's a lot of apologists. The apologist's favorite weapon to pull out, especially when you get into the real Twitter battle message board type thing about Dallas and Philadelphia, which is what we have coming up. They love to go in their back pocket right back here and say, here it is, right in your face. My biggest weapon in this conversation is Dak Prescott against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dubs, 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 dubs. Plays well, wins. Even when the Eagles are good, Dak and the Cowboys beat them. He has done very well against them. The Eagles beat the Cowboys earlier this year. Dak Prescott did not play. So that's that one thing where you're like, yeah, Dak, oh, he's not that great. I don't know. Is he special? Is he just pretty good? Is he kind of a, a B quarterback, not an A? Yeah, but he gets those Eagles. Eagles fans get slapped around with that all the time. And there's not a lot of recourse that they have. So if you take that away from Dak, that he cannot beat the Eagles anymore, that he loses to the Eagles, and if you do it in a game in which the MVP of the Eagles isn't even playing, then it becomes not only can the Eagles beat Dak and the Cowboys, they can beat Dak and the Cowboys with their backup, this mustache maniac from the Pac-12 with the jean shorts and all that named Gardner. We can beat you with a guy named Gardner. You don't want to have that happen especially in this game that is going to have so, so, so many viewers. I think it might be the most viewed regular season game in NFL history. Certainly would have been if Jalen Hurts played. It might take a dip here with Gardner Minshew, or maybe just people just want to see him. Don't lose that game. Don't lose that game. The Cowboys are going to go to the playoffs. I get it. But in this quest to find out if this Cowboys team is special or standard issue, standard issue, they just hand it to you at the cafeteria. You come down with your tray, next Cowboys meal. Whoosh, same one we've had for 26 years. Whoosh, whoosh. Or is this some kind of special order? Wow, this tastes different. You put some different seasoning in it this time, didn't you? I don't know. It tastes like the same seasoning. They lose to Philadelphia. It feels very familiar of a Cowboys team that is very good and has a lot of famous players and a lot of wins even. But eh, see you later in January when the big boys start to play. Dak needs it. Uh, the guy who needs it the second most. Dak was three. Number two, Daniel Jones. Remember him? Daniel Jones, I feel like he doesn't get talked about much just because he's just kind of there and he doesn't play terribly and he doesn't play great. He's just the face in this team. He has nothing to say, just works hard and shows up to work. But they got a win last week, the Giants, and they beat the Commanders. It was a win that matters. And now we go against we go against the Vikings. Vikings, one of the strangest teams that we've seen in years. Strangest ever. And how do they come off after the big, big, big comeback last week? Daniel Jones has got to have a win. Right now, if the season ended, it is my belief that neither Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley should be ever on the Giants again. That's it. Goodbye. It's been, you've been great. You've worked really hard. We really like you as teammates. We like you as representatives of this team. But no, we are not going to pay you, Daniel Jones, $35 million a year. Saquon, we love you. But we have some spurts of real production and real explosiveness and real highlights. And you're an awesome. You feel like a star. But we, we can't give you this massive contract. You're a running back who gets hurt a lot. I love you, dude. I love you. But if you turn around in the league and seen some of these guys, we can't do it. If it ends right now, I would say goodbye to both of them. Now, people disagree with me. I know people who I respect. Sean O'Hara, who won a Super Bowl with the Giants, still thinks they're going to bring Daniel Jones back. I can't wrap my mind around it at all. I think signing Daniel Jones to a massive contract right now with what he's shown and what he's accomplished... I, it's just not, he's not that good. He's fine. But there's killers out there right now. If you don't have a killer, you better have the best roster of all time. I don't know. Daniel Jones, a win tonight, or a win, win rather this weekend, he doesn't play tonight. A win this weekend helps. If the Giants just fade away and he's average and they miss the playoffs after that incredible first two months, tough. I think he needs a win. Beating a Vikings team that also has a lot to prove would help. 
Giants got to get in the playoffs this year. Daniel Jones got to do something special down the stretch here and show he's the man. I don't know if he's going to. So he's playing for his entire future, not just this year, not just this playoff season, but the number one guy who needs to make a play this weekend. Good God, Zach Wilson. Oh, good God, Zach Wilson. Dimple-faced assassin. The only reason he's there is because Mike White is hurt. Zach Wilson would not be on the field. Zach Wilson likely wouldn't even be in uniform if Mike White wasn't hurt. But Mike White is hurt, so Zach Wilson has to go against the Jaguars in a massive game that's being played about 30 minutes from where I stand right now. And a lot of people I know are attending it in the crappiest northern New Jersey weather you could possibly imagine. It's disgusting out here. It's going to be disgusting in MetLife. Zach Wilson, can he just go through the game and throw for 180 yards without an interception? Because you might win the game if you do that. I'm not asking for you to be Mahomes. Do not show up and look for 350 yards and three touchdowns. I don't care. I don't even close to that. Half of that. I was listening to Brady Quinn. There was a clip I saw of him on a, a CBS show, and he was talking about Zach Wilson. And he said, well, I, had spoke, I spoke to one of the defensive players that's played against Zach Wilson this year. And he was saying that their coaching that week was telling them, look, against this guy, against Zach Wilson, just get depth, just get back, and this bleeper bleeper will throw it to you. <laughs> that's a hell of a scouting report. How do we handle this guy, Zach Wilson? Just get back and he'll throw it to you. Don't worry about anything else. Just get depth, stay in your position, watch the quarterback's eyes, and he'll throw it right to you. That's like a, uh, that's what I tell my third graders in flag football. Just get back, stay in your spot, watch the quarterback's eyes, and you'll get an interception. But this is the Jets we're talking about. So I thought Brady had a really, really strong observation on that. And I don't even know if it's wrong. You know, you saw what Jacksonville did to Dak Prescott last week. They had the walk-off pick six. They had another one. If Zach Wilson has a nuclear meltdown tonight and throws three interceptions and they have to pull and put in Joe Flacco, even short of that, even if he's just not very good and they lose, oh, my gosh. It's Jets again in here in New York. It's just rock bottom. They're going to miss the playoffs. They've completely fallen apart. He doesn't work. The team hates him. Garrett Wilson hates him. Salah's trying to build him up, and it doesn't work. But, man... You know how badly they want a winner? This blue-eyed, pretty boy quarterback in New York who shows up in prime time on Amazon and wins the game and saves their season. That would be awesome. That's what I'm rooting for. I hope it happens. I hope it happens for the Jets. But if it doesn't happen, see you later, man. This could be it. Mac Jones also, Jesus, he's a guy who's on the ropes. But Zach Wilson, by far, of all the quarterbacks going, needs it the worst, has to have it the worst. This is going to be, I think, a night of reckoning for him. If he doesn't play well, get out of here. If he plays great, we love you, bud. Now do it again next week. Zach Wilson got to have it tonight. But we have to get to what I hate because it's a very special one. Let's go. My favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chase. I watch it exactly one time a year, and I watch it every single year only on Christmas Eve. That's it. I will not watch it December 20th, December 10th. I certainly won't watch it in the off-season just for fun. One time a year, every single year. I saw it in the theater in 1989 with my dad. I have loved it ever since. There's the whole family. But you know what? I got to get to what I hate. I hate this guy right here. That's Clark's father-in-law. That's Ellen's father. That's art. That's art. I hate him, but I love him. You could take any character in this incredibly hilarious, well-written, character-based movie. There's so many good ones. Clark's amazing, of course, but Cousin Eddie's amazing, of course. You could go down the line. Clark's mom, open it, Clarky, open it. 
Clark's dad. I had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. If you need any help, uh, give me a holler. I'll be upstairs asleep. Ellen, of course, legendary. Art, I mentioned. This is Art's wife. I hope you kids see what a silly waste of resources this is. And then, you know, Eddie. Maybe you didn't feed him from the table. Great movie. But I love and I hate Art. I'm talking about this guy. Clark's father-in-law. This is a guy we're going to get into our list. This is E.G. Marshall, the actor's name. He passed away. E.G. Marshall. He never revealed what E.G. stood for. That's just the stage name. And he would say, uh, his joke was, E.G. stands for everybody's guess. Ha ha ha. Which is a pretty funny joke. He is originally from Minnesota. He was in 12 Angry Men back in the day. If you like Superman 2, E.G. Marshall, Art, played the President of the United States. Remember the scene where Zod and his cronies go into the White House and the Oval Office? And he's the President. And he says to Zod, I will kneel if it means saving lives. And Zod says, it will, starting with your own. That's, that's the guy. Won two primetime Emmys uh, in a show back in the 60s. Broadway, one of the founding actors in Inside the Actor Studio or, or the Actor Studio. Uh, used to host a radio show. And um, he passed away in 1998. He was 84 years old. But what I love about him is that he only has like maybe a dozen lines in the whole movie. But every single one of them just cuts. It just gets right in there. It is ice cold. It is razor sharp. He makes all of them count. It's that theater background. And I always light up whenever any of his lines come on. So I have for you today, guys. I hate the character, but I love the character. The top 10 father-in-law art lines from Christmas Vacation. Here we go, guys. We have this produced. You're going to love this. Top 10 lines from art. Art in the Griswold Family Christmas. Number 10. Clark is having this moment out in the lawn where he's worked really hard outside with Rusty and, and he's bringing everyone out to, the, to have this incredible moment of Christmas cheer and he's going to turn on the Christmas lights and everyone's excited. What does Art say? He says this. You want to hurry this up, Clark? I'm freezing my baguettes off. You're damn right he is. Hurry this up and we can get back inside. I'm freezing my baguettes off is something I throw around with my wife and my friends anytime I'm cold, anytime you're pumping gas at the gas station, I'm freezing my baguettes off. So immediately he's out there furious. And I love that his wife is out there with a martini that she brought out to the front yard. That's number 10. Uh, number nine, it's a small one, but when Cousin Eddie shows up and it's just obviously a nightmare for Clark and for Ellen, and they're given this whole vibe of, oh my God, what are you doing here? This is when Art jumps in and it's just so welcoming. It's one of the few warm moments of the movie when Eddie says, ah, I'm not so sure, you know, if you have enough room and everything. And Art's like, oh, don't worry about that. We didn't come to impose. <laughs> well, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. Remember Art and his wife and the other two grandparents, they've been there, they, they get there like December 10th or something. If you follow that advent calendar, they're there for weeks Art's sleeping in, in Rusty's bed with, with the poster above it. They're using all the towels, all the bathrooms. Who knows what they're doing in the bathrooms? They're eating. They're smoking. It's just crazy. And he says, sure, there's plenty of room. Art, just always, always a jerk. Let's get to number eight. How about when Clark hits rock bottom and he has lost his tree and he's walking around wielding a chainsaw and he's talking to Ellen. He's saying, you know, we needed a coffin. We needed a tree. And he comes downstairs and he's just had this rage-filled rant when everyone's trying to leave. And he and Art have an exchange that's, that's, that's pretty tense. It sounds like this. You're goofy. Don't piss me off, Art. Clark's terrifying in that moment. That's some of Chevy Chase's best acting of his career. When he says, don't piss me off, Art, you actually think he might attack Art with the chainsaw. But the way Art just says, you're goofy. 
I also say that to my wife. She says that to me. That is number eight. Number seven, a moment of Christmas cheer in the Griswold house. The grandparents show up. They got presents. They're excited to see the kids. And as soon as they walk in and exchange hugs in this incredible moment of let's go holiday season, here's what Art has to share in the first 30 seconds that he's in their house. You know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. We did know that, in fact. I want you to listen to that again. You know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. A pint! (laughs) Merry Christmas. It's great to see you. Did you know they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back? Do you know how much a pint is? That's a lot of fluid that they drained from his lower back, and that's a really aggressive topic to start with. Meanwhile, his wife is talking about how she has hemorrhoids, and then Ellen's, uh, no, Clark's mother is saying she's got a real painful burr, and if you rub it, I'll give you a quarter. So they're all talking about their disgusting ailments, and I still think that his is the worst because he's talking about an entire unit, in fact, a pint of fluid. But again, I'll say that occasionally. I'll come back if I had to go to the dentist or if I get a physical or something. I'll come back and my wife will say, how was it? And I'll say, do you know they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back? We say all these lines. All right, number six. This is when it gets really dark. All Clark really wants is this Griswold family Christmas tree. It means a lot to him. It goes back to childhood and some of the things he missed out on. He drives way out into the woods and they somehow uproot it because they don't have a saw and he decorates it and he trims it. He just, this is the symbol of Christmas for him. It's really, really special. Uncle Lewis burns the thing down and his Clark is really depressed and dejected and feels terrible about this. This man who's been staying in his house living off his food and just squatting his home for weeks, his father-in-law, after the death of the tree, has this to say. It is an ugly tree anyway. (laughs) Is that entirely necessary, Art? Do you really need to pile on with that? Come on. It is an ugly tree anyway. That's the meanest thing probably said in the film, and it's full of mean things. Just keep that to yourself. The tree is burned down. Clark is having a psychological meltdown. Everybody's scared. He didn't get the bonus. Eddie's here. Eddie hasn't worked in years. The, the sewer's going to blow up. Do you really need to jump off the top rope with this? Come on. It is an ugly tree anyway. Yeah, of course it was an ugly tree. That's not, that's not helping, Art. Um, number five. Again. They go out there, it's gonna be a festive moment. Clark's trying as hard as he can to bring joy into everybody's life, his children, his parents, his in-laws. And he goes out and Audrey is a little self-conscious about being out there in her PJs or her robe. And, um, oh no, wait, I think I skipped one. Yes, all right, I skipped it. Number five, yeah, we'll get to that one. Number five is, um, oh my gosh, Clark, I think finally got his bonus. He's gone through 90 minutes of horror and tension and stress, and finally the guy who breaks the door knocker gives him this envelope, and it's finally here, and the weight is lifted, and it's going to be a Merry Christmas after all, and and what is in this envelope? Certainly you just want to pat Clark on the back for working as hard as he can at his job and as a host during Christmas. No, Art wants to know if it's this. I can't believe it. What is it? A letter confirming your reservation at the nut house? Just a pot shot. A punch in the throat in a, at a happy moment. Clark, great guy, trying his best. Finally, I can't believe it. All I've worked for, all my sweat equity, all the caring and nurturing and extra hours and getting up early and meetings and missing my kids' soccer games. This, what, what are you, a crazy, insane person? You're going to the nut house? What a jerk. 
That's I, what you have to respect about Art. Relentlessly kneecapping Clark at every single point that he can, even in the happy moments. That's number five. Number four is what I was talking about. They're outside. It's going to be the light show time. Audrey's, I think, a high school girl, even though Juliet Lewis looked much older. Insecure, is in your pajamas. And even in this happy moment, <laughs> Art veering three lanes outside of his own lane to insult Clark to his granddaughter and says uh, this. I hope nobody I know drives by and sees me standing in the yard staring at the house in my pajamas. If they know your dad, they won't think anything of it. Mean! That's his granddaughter. Why would he say that to her about his, his her father? That's, that's not a family dynamic that exists. Of course you pot shot your son-in-law if you don't like it, but you don't do it to his daughter. That's so unbelievable. No one was even talking about Clark Art. What? Why would you have to say that? Man, if my boyfriend drives by and sees me, I'm gonna be embarrassed. Yeah, but if you get a load of your dad's reputation, it'll just be like, those those idiot Griswolds. So mean. I like the ones that are totally out of context. His only purpose to be there is to insult Clark, who again, is hosting him for weeks. All right, top three. The lights come on. Clark did it. He made the Christmas miracle. Hallelujah. Everyone's so happy. It's one of the few truly joyous moments in the movie. And he goes down the line. And Ellen's happy. And Rusty's happy. And Audrey's happy. And dear, dear Francis is happy. Everyone's so thrilled. And even if they don't like Clark, they're like, wow, you really pulled it off. What the? What? I got to give it up to you. Except for one man. Except for you know who. And the exchange goes like this. Art. Dad, thank you for being here. The little lights are not twinkling. I know, Arden. Thanks for noticing. It's just incredible. Incredible sticking to his stance of, I'm not giving you anything, Griswold. It said that the lights were supposed to twinkle. They mentioned it earlier in the movie. He's like, yeah, you got them on. It's probably the most glorious thing I've ever seen, and you almost killed yourself doing it so we could have holiday cheer, but... The little lights aren't twinkling. I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. Just awesome. Just awesome. Even Francis with their martini. Oh, it's wonderful. The little lights aren't twinkling. He couldn't even say, it looks nice. I love it. I, the more I go through this list, I know it's about what I hate. I love the guy. Top two. This is the one I say the most. Constantly. Anytime it's like we're out with the kids and we have to go to a drive-thru or I'm at a party and it's like, when are they going to serve the food? Or I'm sitting here waiting for an Uber Eats delivery. I say this every single time and it is so perfect in the art character. Never mind that guy. I need to think about me. I love this one. He's got another car. He can drive. I have to eat so I can take my back pill. If I could only tell you how many times I've said, I got to eat so I can take my back pill. It's perfectly usable. Ellen's saying like, no, I think... Our, my husband, again, who's paying for all of us and is probably going to pick up the lunch bill, is just, he's grabbing his keys or something. He, he's putting a sweatshirt on. Hey, he's another car. He can drive. Let's get in here. I got to eat so I can take my back pill. It's such a perfect line. I love it. I would have it as my number one line in the whole movie, not alone just art, but there's one more that is so out of nowhere, that is so inexplicable, that is so usable, that is so funny, and that is so razor sharp. And it's the first time they go out for the lights and Clark doesn't get them to come on. The Christmas lights do not go on. It's a total disaster. He gets really pissed. And everyone starts to kind of laugh and snicker. But his family feels bad for him. Francis, his mother-in-law, starts lecturing the kids. Audrey tries to say, well, hold on. And then Art just comes with a sledgehammer. The number one line 
of father-in-law art in Christmas Vacation sounds a lot like this. <laughs> I hope you kids see what a silly waste of resources this was. You worked really hard, Grandma. So do washing machines. Boom! Game, set, match, and it is over. Audrey's got nothing to say. She doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about, but it's over. That is, again, a grandfather just crushing his own granddaughter, high school-age granddaughter, by saying soda washing machines about her father. It's such a heavy, heavy subtext here of how much I hate your dad. And the line is so weird. Like, I don't even know what the screenwriter was thinking, that washing machines work really hard and don't get credit. It's just—it's such an odd line, which makes it so memorable. And it's not really on the nose. It's just a little bit weird, but it is sharp as a razor. Bam. Worked really hard, Grandma. Soda washing machines. Boom. God, that line is great. Use it all the time as well. Constantly. Anybody says about how hard they work? Yeah, soda washing machines. Did I get it right? Do you have the order right? I don't know if there's any lines missing. But maybe you could debate that maybe it was an ugly tree anyway is the funniest. Maybe you could debate the little lights aren't twinkling is the number one line. At KB Basement, um, my guy, E.G. Marshall, up there in that uh, big uh, Christmas robe in the sky, wherever he may be, relaxing and just cutting people down like he was put on the planet to do. Love the movie. Love all the characters. Art is my favorite. That is my top ten. But why don't you join the party? Why don't you join me in something that we call, speaking of hilarious... What's hilarious? Come on now. All right, so a bit of a sequel segment here to the last one. In the spirit of art and the rundown that I did, we asked you. We said, all right, everybody is tired at this point. It's almost Christmas of debating your favorite Christmas movies or maybe even your favorite Christmas characters. What makes these characters great are the people like Arts or Uncle Lewis or Eddie or whoever it may be. It's the second and third and fourth and fifth string unsigned free agent practice squad characters who make the movies incredible. Like I said, we know about Kevin McAllister. We know about whoever the lead in your favorite, Clark Griswold, whoever it may be. They're great. That's a different thing. Who are your favorite supporting or even bit characters in Christmas holiday movies? Boy, did you guys respond. This is what I think is hilarious. Let's get it going here. Let's get the people involved. Let's bring them into the basement. First suggestion right here. Oh, yeah. John Venables says, it's the t-shirt I'm wearing right now. He's got Todd and Margot, the next door neighbors to the Griswold. And it goes like this. Well, something had to hit the stereo. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot. Great. Both of them absolutely incredible. Obviously, we know JLD. Early, early role for her. Pre-Seinfeld, pre-so many things that she would do. But did you know that Todd is Nicholas Guest, who's had an incredible life? His brother, Christopher Guest, that you know from Princess Bride and all the movies like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. Brilliant, brilliant creative family. And if you look at their faces, they do look a lot alike. Christopher and his brother, in this case, Nicholas Guest. Fantastic. The way that they drive a sob is perfect. Uh, my wife and I, again, we were Todd and Margot for a couple Halloweens. We had the silver running suits and the giant Evian waters. And it's just 
Great Halloween costume, by the way, because it's comfortable and it's warm and you can put booze in the bottle if you want. It's just an awesome costume. Nicholas Guest, that's my guy. These are first ballot supporting holiday movie characters. Next, what's Brian Wiz got? Brian Wiz. Oh, interesting. John Favreau and Four Christmases. I just saw this movie for the first time this year in part of our holiday music festival. I'd never seen Four Christmases. It's a 2008 Reese Witherspoon, Vince Vaughn. They go around to the four different houses of the parents. And Favreau's there, which is fun because it's Favreau and Vaughn and you think of Swingers. And then the dude who plays Sue in Swingers also shows up as the guy who's with Sissy Spacek. And Favreau's great. This is back like jacked Favreau, kind of in the wake of... um, the replacements Favreau before he got into directing and a lot of things changed about him but he like puts uh, Vince Vaughn in like submission moves and he's super militant and he's like a total jerk I like that character too he's got good lines Favreau is a good suggestion if you don't know Four Christmases it it, it works it's a lot of Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn if you like those two people you'll like the movie Brian Holinka has a suggestion in the next tweet these are second third and fourth string characters oh yeah this is a 12th string character this is like the, the 53rd man on a Hall of Fame roster. 53rd man on the 85 Bears or the 72 Dolphins. Brian Holinka says, The guy who ate the candy in Die Hard always cracks me up. This is one of Hans' henchmen, and he's got a machine gun, and he's ready to ambush the SWAT team. And for some reason in the lobby of Nakatomi, there's like a little candy stand or newspaper stand and he gets behind there and he's ready to shoot the SWAT team members and he's like you know what I met I think I'll have a Mars bar totally relatable tough category for this guy because the supporting characters in Die Hard are some of the most memorable in history I can't have guy eating the candy bar on the supporting character holiday roster and exclude Hall of Fame supporting characters like Argyle in the in the garage limo like theo and the quarterback is toast or my guy ellis hans booby i'm your white knight uh absolute legend the uh, look babe i had a million dollar deals for breakfast i think i can do this euro trash ellis is i think like my favorite character in the movie more than john mcclain or hans gruber so candy bar guys in but lot tough category um ray perkin what's up ray James Caan's son in Elf. See, this is great. Because he has the right reason that James Caan's son in Elf is in this. He goes on. The Krebet jersey he wears is a deep pull, even when it was released. And you are all over it, Ray. Wayne Krebet is the jersey that James Caan's son wears. And he wears it for a lot of the movie, including the pivotal scene when he goes into the conference rooms and gets Jimmy Caan to walk out. That kid's fine. He does a really nice job. He befriends Buddy and all that stuff. But the fact that he wears the genius of that selection of all the different jerseys they could have wear could have been Vinny Testaverde. Could have probably been Chad Pennington at that point. Could have been Lavernius Coles. Could have been Keyshawn. Could have been a lot of guys. They knew that Krebet is maybe as loved as any Jet in history, including Joe Willie Namath. Great selection by them. And every time you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, he wears a Krebet jersey. I love that. Ray Perkin, you're right. Next, Mike Maranto. Oh, polka, polka, polka. Mike Maranto says, Gus Polinski all day, every day. This is in the final act of Home Alone when uh, there's this wonderful thing and you're already loving the movie and then you're like, oh my God, John Candy, it's so good to see him. I love it. And he gives a ride to Mrs. McAllister and it's kind of this cool thing because it's John Hughes, of course, who was overseeing this movie and 
it almost feels like you're running into Del Griffith again, and he's you know traveling, and he's stuck in an airport, and he's in the back of a truck. It's a very uh, they lean heavily on the symmetry here that it's a John Hughes reference from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and it's a very similar character who just won't stop talking and is friendly. But it's great, and that the, every scene that Candy's in is of course perfect and charming and beautiful. And man, I miss John Candy. I miss him a lot. It, that Gus Polinski is a perfect example of what we're talking about. You could talk about Home Alone for a long time and even forget that John Candy is in it. But he has a pivotal part and he gets um, Mrs. McAllister home. Do we have any more of these? This is giving me holiday cheer. Adam Granback, he says, Bernard from the Santa Claus just materializes around the kid's house in his all-time sweater. Yeah, Bernard is an important character in that movie. I also just saw this for the first time, The Santa Claus. I had never seen it prior to 2022. And Bernard's good in it. And he's kind of, he's not that friendly and he's not that warm, but he's a taskmaster and he kind of gets the job going. And he helps Tim Allen and that's his job. And he puts him into shape and everything. But he does show up at the end and kind of cool. Um, I had some issues with that movie. I, I feel like it mostly centers around divorced parents and like what a jerk judge Reinhold is and there's just a lot of domestic stress and then the secondary story is that Tim Allen has become Santa Claus so that bothered me a little bit but I'm a divorced parent kid so uh maybe it just brought me back but yeah Bernard was great give me a couple more Betsy Betsy Hasher oh yeah yeah Tim Curry Home Alone 2 <laughs> she just says come on can't beat this guy oh Tim Curry is so good in that movie Sir, I'm afraid you're mistaken. And when he's like, you've been smooching with everybody. And then he's down on his hands and knees. There's a crazed guest with a gun, which is not as funny anymore. But um, at the time, he is so good just chewing up scenery and that. It's just awesome. And what a welcome character in that movie. There's a case that's out there, and I've heard it. And I don't agree with it, but I agree with, disagree with it less than I used to, that Home Alone 2 is actually better than Home Alone 1. If you want to make that case, your first entry point is the Tim Curry character because he brings a lot to it. And I don't really think there's someone like him in Home Alone 1. Old Man Marley doesn't have that type of presence. And it's mostly Kevin and the bandits doing their thing with tiny little characters showing up. But Curry, anytime Curry's on screen, he's the best. Great suggestion. I love that. Home Alone 2 is good. Adam Moffat. All right, we're back to the Griswolds. <laughs> He goes with Uncle Lewis. He wants you to say grace. She just shakes her head. The blessing! Best line by Uncle Lewis. Um, when Clark and Ellen are cleaning up the garbage from Snots the dog who was just nosing through the trash. And after Clark has been <laughs> feeding and caring for Uncle Lewis and all these relatives, <laughs> Uncle Lewis just says, Grizz! If you're not doing anything constructive, go in the living room and fetch my stogie. He says, anything else I can do for you, Uncle Lewis? So good. This is so good. When he says, hey, by the way, can you go get my cigar? I'm done with my dinner. I love Uncle Lewis. At least it's out of his misery. It's so good. Uh, the nitroglycerin truck. Uncle Lewis, love anybody from this movie's in. All right, last one. Greg Luther. <laughs> yeah. Little Nero's. Uh, pizza Boy from Little Nero's. The guy who really likes tips and doesn't like the bad tips and thinks he's being shot at by a mobster at one point and just keeps crashing into the statue with his car. Great call. Gotta have the Pizza Kid. I like the hair hanging out of the front of the hat. Um, little, little research on Pizza Kid. 
His actor, a strange name, D. Danny Warhol. What the hell is that? D. Danny Warhol is apparently his name. It doesn't make sense to me. From Chicago, where the movie、uh, you know is shot. He's other notable roles per his IMDb. He has a recurring role in Saved by the Bell. Who knew that? No, as Erwin Considine. I'm only like a five on the Saved by the Bell meter, so I don't know that role. He was as a sidewalk pedestrian in the movie Stuck on You, which we know as Damon and Kinnear being conjoined twins. Eva Mendes in that movie too, and then an uncredited role. These aren't great; they're uncredited. As motorist almost hit by Sean Penn in a movie called Hurley Burley. I remember Hurley Burley.、Um, he never even showed up as a funnier die as the pizza guy. Is there a more famous pizza guy in any movie more than this guy in Home Alone? Not that I can think of. I mean, there's a couple scenes in the Ninja Turtles movie where they get pizza and. Uh, there's an old movie called Lover Boy where Patrick Dempsey delivers pizzas and then sleeps with the women who are ordering them. But I still go with this guy.、Um, that's it. I'm going to end on the pizza guy. There's so many more, but I love that guy. That was it. He basically was done after that. A few little roles, did a little、uh, Saved by the Bell, but that's it. Guys, great list. I hope that brought you holiday cheer. I love the Uncle Lewis. I love all of them. We could just keep doing that for that could be its own show. We'll just do an Omaha show about supporting characters in Christmas movies. But before then, we're going to do a segment that we call "Say Anything." It's going to be fun. All right, so we got an answering machine here. It's around the corner over there by the bar, and there's a little tape in it. And I check it sometimes for messages that you guys leave us at two five two four Brant two five two the number four Brant. You can call it any time if you're bored, if you're driving home, if you just want to leave me a message. Do it. I check it all the time. But in this particular case, we asked you for just some sort of holiday take, story, question, faux pas that you've made, screw up that you've done, warm memories. Doesn't have to be bad. But you guys came. You left a bunch of messages. Say anything. It's it's literal. Like you can just say anything you want, and I will react to it and maybe have a laugh with you, maybe have a cry with you, whatever the case may be. Our first say anything message comes from Portland. I'm going to assume that's Portland, Oregon, but it doesn't say here on the list. I've not heard these. You'll be hearing them for the first time as I have. I've not heard a single one. I just grabbed a few randomly and put them out here. Let's see. It's、uh, no name left, but from Portland, and let's see what no name from Portland has to say. You're on the air. Say anything. Hey KB, heard that、uh, take the other day on the show about taking、uh, the Christmas lights down on Christmas Christmas night. That was a、uh, that was great. That was hilarious. But、um, now I'm wondering, how do we go to the Christmas tree、uh, at the end of the year when it's、uh, all wrapped up or whatever? Because my like pops would just throw it in the wood stove or chuck it over the fence or whatever. But、uh, now that I live in the city, I figure there's got to be like a more decent way. So、uh, how do we get rid of the Christmas tree? Thanks. It's a good question. I like that your pops would just chuck it over the fence. <laughs> I like that you call them your pops too. Was this 1952 when your father was doing this? Your old man? The Christmas tree getting rid of is terrible. It's just absolutely awful because by the time you pull it out of your house, it's dry as hell, and there's an entire Category Five tornado of pine needles that gets down on the floor and. Uh, the wife doesn't really love it, but she works really hard to vacuum them up or clean them. And you got to just drag the thing out and you bang it against the walls. And the the idea is,、um, I think you know, in our town, I think you just put it curbside, like you put it down there with the garbage. But it's not the usual trash collectors who pick it up. I think there's a special, specific Christmas tree pickup. Because look, if you live in the suburbs or the city, like you, I mean, we're talking 
thousands, millions of Christmas trees across the country. I don't know what they do with them other than just burn them up or turn them into firewood or something. But at some point, like the magical Christmas tree collector comes around and gets them. I feel the same way about Christmas trees that I feel about Christmas lights. When I wake up on the morning of the 26th, the tree doesn't have the same magic. It's just, it's Christmas is over. It's done. It's someone staying at the party too long. Just get it out of there. So Christmas tree is gone. Usually it's the weekend after Christmas, especially this year with Christmas being on a weekend. Uh, our Christmas tree and our Christmas lights will be down. But man, is it a project. Take the ornaments down, wrap them up, get the box. I, we have a storage unit we have to go. It sucks. I'm just getting pissed just thinking about it. So let's get to the next call. But it's a fair question. I don't know how it works in the city. I don't know how anything works in the city, especially New York City where there's no alleys to put Christmas trees. So I don't know. In the suburbs, they'll pick it up for us. Next, Brooklyn. Speaking of New York City, Brooklyn. All right, I like hearing from Brooklyn. Did you call me from a bar that has no televisions and has a sign outside that says Soup of the Day Whiskey? I bet you did. His name is Dan, and he wants to uh, say anything. Go ahead, Dan. Hey, Kyle. This is Dan in Brooklyn. I just want to call you to complain about the lack of good Hanukkah movies. There's all these Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. You're probably talking about them on the show. You talk about them all the time. But I'm kind of sick of the fact that there's no good Hanukkah movies. I mean, what do we got? We got Rugrats Hanukkah special. We got that Eight Crazy Nights movie. We got that terrible <laughs> Seth Rogen movie. I mean, there's so many great Jewish filmmakers. None of these guys could have made a Hanukkah movie. Spielberg couldn't have made a Hanukkah movie. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> That's a great call. <laughs> you know what's funny? As soon as you said there's no great Hanukkah movies, I my immediately my mind went to, hey, Eight Crazy Nights, that, that cartoon movie with Sandler. Which I've never seen, and I don't, as far as I understand, is not great. Is there a Rugrats Hanukkah special? <laughs> I don't know that one either. Um, Seth Rogen, yeah. You bring up a great point about the Jewish filmmakers and Jewish performers and stuff. You would think that maybe they would put their foot down and say enough. And <laughs> it cracks me up. Why, why hasn't Spielberg said, enough? I'm going to make the preeminent, timeless Hanukkah classic. I don't know why he doesn't do that. He just did this movie about child... I haven't seen the movie yet. Flynn, what's that movie called? Um, about a kid and he's being a filmmaker or something like that. Um, I haven't seen it, but I heard it's really good. But I don't know. Did you really need to make War Horse? Do we, do we need that? If we could have gone back, would we have not done AI and instead done Eight Nights instead of AI? Like, that would be fun. I, I can't speak for Spielberg or any of the other filmmakers... It, it, does, it seems to set up perfectly for a, um, a film structure, too, because of the eight nights and the beginning and the end. And there's all sorts of beautiful optics and, you know, the, the menorahs and whatnot. And um, I don't know. I, I Listen, I don't know, but you do raise a really good point. I guess I could say there's not a lot of also, like, what's the preeminent Easter movie? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there is one. But I can see where you're coming from because there's Christmas movie, Christmas movie, Christmas movie. Why aren't there more Hanukkah movies? I don't know. I wish there was because I watched all the Christmas movies. I'd like to watch some Hanukkah movies. Anybody have an answer for that? Oh, yeah, The Fablemans. That's the Spielberg's movie. Why not Why not something Hanukkah related? I, listen, Spielberg's getting up there in age. I don't know how many Hanukkahs we've got left from him, certainly in his filmmaking prime. So maybe get on that. I wonder if, this, if you Googled it, Spielberg Hanukkah movie. 
Flynn, let me know by the end of the show. Does anything come up? Is there anybody to talk about that? It's a good question. In the meantime, last call from Say Anything. We go to the state of Texas, Garland, Texas. A very Christmassy name, Garland, Texas. And we have Dana, who called 2524 Brant. And I have not heard this, like the rest of them I haven't heard, but she left us this message. What's Dana have to say? Hey, Kyle, this is Dana. I'm calling from Garland, Texas. Uh, and I just want to show you a Christmas tradition that's really evolved into something uh, so much more fun. So uh, every year, as long as I can remember, I and my sister and my dad on Christmas Eve night will just go on a short little walk to the end of the block, look at Christmas lights, turn around and come home. One year, probably about eight years ago, uh, outside of our neighbor's house, we saw this little rabbit on our walk. And we lost our minds. We got so excited because you don't see rabbits a lot where we're from. And it was a Christmas Eve night, so uh, we just started calling them Christmas rabbits. And then the next year, in about the same area in the neighborhood, we saw a rabbit. And of course, we are like, oh, that's Christmas rabbit. That's the same rabbit. How funny that happened two years in a row. And at this point, we're getting so hyped up. What are the odds you're going to see it two years in a row? Then the next yeah. year, in the same area, who do we see but the Christmas rabbit? And I'm telling you, for okay. six or seven years, some absurd number in a row, we saw a Christmas rabbit in the neighborhood. Um, and unfortunately, last year was the first year that we didn't get to see him. Uh, we looked all over the place. We tried to be really quiet. We made a few laughs around those houses and just didn't uh-huh. see him. And it was such a bummer because it, it almost didn't feel like Christmas. But I'm really hoping that this is the year Christmas Rabbit makes his epic comeback, really restores the Christmas spirit in our, uh, in our household. So if that's the case, you know, I'll report back. But great show. Happy holidays. I hope you get a kick out of that. Dana, I appreciate you and happy holidays to you. I, I hope you do report back. Those traditions are strange when the when the Christmas rabbit is gone. I'm even I'm even I'm I'm worried that you saw the Christmas rabbit so consistently down there in Texas that I wonder if you know somebody in a pickup truck didn't run over the Christmas rabbit. I hope so. I hope not. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to hear that. How many laps did you guys have to do hoping for the rabbit? It's terrible. All right, it's, we have little things like that too. In our family, we we usually walk through to Central Park. We go into the city and do that. We don't have a Christmas rabbit. That's the Spielberg movie. Sorry, guys, if you want the Hanukkah movie, Steven Spielberg is going to make a movie called Dana and the Christmas Rabbit. It's going to be a children's movie. It's going to be set in Texas, but it's going to have a happy ending this time instead of a terrible one where somebody killed the rabbit. Hopefully not. You know what, Dana? You're going to call me back tonight. Be like, we saw it. We saw the Christmas rabbit. We can hear the bell like in Polar Express. That's great. Dana, thank you for the call. You guys can still call us over the holidays. If you're bored, if you're tired, if you're drunk, just call 2524-BRANT and leave a message about anything. I'm telling, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, do it. 2524-BRANT. You call it and you hear me. It's kind of a scratchy voice because it's tape, but you'll love it. 2524, my last name, Brant. That's it. Thank you guys for saying anything. Uh, Michael Flynn, we welcome you in something we call Brant Awareness. You can say anything too. Flynn, do you believe in the Christmas rabbit? Oh, I believe in the Christmas rabbit. (laughs) 
You have to. It's the spirit of Christmas. I thought Dana was going to cry. I felt bad about that Christmas rabbit. Let's see if we can't cheer her up with some uh, NFL headlines. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, First up, there's been speculation all year that he would return to Tampa, and now there's even more. Rob Gronkowski tweeted yesterday, I'm kind of bored with a, I'm going to call it the straight face emoji. I don't know Mm. if there is a word for it. Uh, Kyle, you think he's coming to Tampa? You know what is a fun thing to do when you're bored is go on Twitter and mess with people. He's not talking about playing football. He's like, I'm bored, so I'm going to write a tweet that's going to get everyone excited, and I'm going to laugh at the reactions. I, I don't even know if Brady's in Tampa right now. I, I, I don't know if anybody's in Tampa. Can you think of anything less that you'd want to do than go to a miserable Buccaneers team? If they added Gronk, I wouldn't even say anything. I'm not even going to indulge this. The Tampa thing, I, I can't imagine. Why would you want to go to a team for three games and then miss the playoffs? And then someone's like, well, he's going to go to another team. Understand, Gronk has never played as his quarterback as anybody else than Tom Brady with small little pockets of Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. He's not suddenly going to be like, you know what? I think it'd be fun to join the 49ers and play along with Kittle. It's not going to happen. He's not joining the Eagles. It's Gronk is bored, and what you do when you're bored is you don't unretire and go in for three miserable games in the cold on a crappy team that is going nowhere, and Bruce Arians isn't even the head coach anymore. And no, no. I mean, it's fun to think about. The timing is weird. Odell Beckham is more likely to sign with the Eagles today and win a Super Bowl with them than Gronk is to sign with the Bucks. Freeze this clip in case he does, but I don't think he will. Flynn, am I wrong here? Am I being a Scrooge? Oh, I think you're right, but I mean, they're probably going to get into the playoffs, so I'll never say never. Like, I think if you mm. have that shot at the playoffs, like maybe the Bucks make a run with Gronk. We'll see. Yeah. Let's move on. I, I the Bills are on the road again earlier than they thought they'd be. They're traveling to Chicago tonight because of the weather forecasted over the weekend, currently calling for a high in the single digits with winds between 20 to 30 miles an hour and gusts reaching over 40 miles an hour. Kyle, you know Chicago. What does that weather feel like? It's bad. It's really, it's really bad. And it's a different kind of bad. Like um, the Eagles were there last week and a couple of the players, I think it was A.J. Brown specifically, were like, oh man, this was different. We thought, you know, you're like, oh, you you play in Philadelphia. You know what cold's like, different. Chicago is directly on one of the Great Lakes. The stadium where they play, Soldier Field, is right next to a massive body of water. And so the wind, you know, it's a windy city, blows that kind of cold off the lake and into the stadium, and it's devastating. It is really, 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 really cold. And everybody's getting a little weary of weather talk, and there's been so much of it lately. But, I mean, Jesus, the Bills must be like, can't we just get one bleeping game where it's a 51 degrees and fair weather with no snow and no sleet and no rain and no... No, they can't. They really can't. But as we saw this week, suggesting that they should move indoors or put a dome in that stadium is a pretty soft take. That's what our guy JA17 said. So uh, they want it. They're built for it. They're into it. People like to say, oh, Josh is from California. Yeah, Northern California. Let's not pretend that Josh is from La Jolla. He also went to college in Wyoming where it's really cold. So there's none about that. I just like, there must be, man, if they win this whole thing, the brightest, shiniest Super Bowl rings have to go to all the logistics people in the Buffalo Bills organization who have to handle these flights and calls and transportation and buses and luggage and equipment. Those folks have had a year. Oh, my gosh. They had three games in 11 days, three road games. They had to go to Detroit. Now it's like, oh, we've got over the weather portion of the season. No, you didn't. You got to leave early to get to Chicago. There's so many logistics involved in that. Thank God they have to go to Chicago, who's not really in the business of winning games, and they'll beat them. But... Man, that trip was be terrible. That's it. Listen, 
No one said it's going to be easy. When they do the, the football life and the 30 for 30 about this Bills team, if they win it all, this will be yet another chapter, Flynn. Just keep writing them. Yep. Finally, what better way to end our last show before Christmas than talking about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Earlier this month, someone broke into his South Carolina home and Hacksaw held him at gunpoint. But that was actually a good thing for the intruder as a group of people came storming down the street looking for him over, quote, a separate legal matter, end quote. (laughs) After the group passed, Hacksaw let the police handle the matter and did not press charges. Kyle, what do you make of all this? It makes me happy, first of all, to know that, that Hacksaw is still with us. That's my era of wrestling and so many of them are gone. He just I mean, look. I mean, obviously, he's been gone for a long time. Mr. Perfect is gone. Like they, they, they're gone. So <laughs> I just think about this guy who's already having people probably trying to stomp him out on the street. And of all the homes in the United States of America, he has to go into the hacksaw's house, and he's probably in there. And can you imagine the chill down his spine when he just heard "ho" and down comes hacksaw? And I picture hacksaw in the blue trunks and the blue boots. And I don't believe that Hacksaw held him at gunpoint. I believe that Hacksaw held him at two-by-four point. And he just had this big old piece of lumber, and he just held it right to his throat. And he had an American flag with him, too. Inexplicable that back in the day that Hacksaw was allowed to bring a two-by-four into the ring. I still don't understand completely what that prop represented. I can't imagine someone didn't anticipate that it might lead to problems letting him have that weapon. It also begs the question of, of that era of wrestlers, Let's say they were all still alive. Who is the worst one that you, whose house you'd want to walk into? Hacksaw at least was friendly. Like, what if you walked into the big boss man's house and he had a nightstick? That would be rough. I don't want any part of that. Cobb County, Georgia is where he was from. The Mountie? The Mountie had a taser? <laughs> like a cattle prod or something? Wouldn't want that either. I don't know where he was from in Canada. Someone will tweet me and tell me. Um... Certainly The Undertaker, I, 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 don't, I don't want that. That was early Undertaker. You don't want any part of this guy, even though his only weapon was guns right there. But look, you don't want any of them, really. If you wanted to walk in anybody's house, it would probably be Dusty Rhodes, because he was so friendly in his polka dot elbow pads. He would probably try to talk to you and calm you down and like teach you some life lessons, like a sort of pro wrestling dog, the bounty hunter. But my takeaways are uh, hilarious image. It wasn't a gun. It was a two by four. I don't care what the report says. And most importantly, I hear that Hacksaw held someone at two by four point in his house. My takeaway is, Hacksaw's alive? Oh, that's great. It's going to be a Merry Christmas. Hacksaw, please take care of yourself. Do some yoga, drink some water. I'm glad to hear that you're alive. I don't know what you're into or anything, but uh, you were pretty cool back in the day. And um, it's a Christmas miracle just to hear from him today, Flynn. Yeah, he's awesome. And I like putting myself in the shoes of the intruder who's literally living the plot of the purge. Like he's just a lone guy walking down the street, apparently with a mob behind him. Only the house that he ends up in is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. A story. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great story. That guy had a day. I don't know what, you're right, it does feel like the purge. I don't know which is worse. You might just want to take your chance with a mob and just get out of Hacksaw's house. Uh, Flynn, I know there's a lot of uh, Christmas cheer in your house. I know there's a lot coming. Merry Christmas to you, to the Flynns, to everybody there. I hope you wear some sweaters and drink some nog and have some fun this weekend. Right back to the brands. We'll see you on Monday. All right, my friend. Let's, uh, let's throw a dart. I'll do it quickly today. Skycam, if you please. Hey, everybody. This last show before Christmas and a happy new year. 14 is the topic. What topic is it? Today's topic to end the show is... Ah, best gift you've ever received. How perfect is that? 
Um, I think it's the classic. I think it was the original 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, and I got it right in the prime. It's probably Christmas of 87. And I got it with Super Mario Brothers and I think Kung Fu. It was great. It was just like out of the movie and you come here and you just rip open the paper and you're just so overjoyed and the pure adrenaline of it. Um, but listen, the, the, the gift I got every day here is uh, having you guys join me. Thank you so much for coming to the basement this year. And I genuinely mean that. This was a show that goes back a long ways and I uh, got invited by Omaha and Peyton and Eli to do this show in my own home. Unbelievably flattered. Um, moved, touched that I was able to do it. A lot of work went into it by a lot of people behind the scenes, including everybody here in the basement. Uh, Trevor, Miles, Natalie, Flynn, Sam Pepper, everyone, everyone who puts part in the show. Thank you. You guys watching right now, as I sit here uh, with a, I don't know, Margot shirt on in front of a dartboard on a Peloton talking to you on a phone camera, there's a thousand other options of things you could watch and listen to right now. There really are. Some of them are very good. Most of them crap, but some of them very good. And you're choosing this, and it means a lot to me. And I promise that this year and next year, everything I will do, everything I can from the basement to never mail in a show, give you everything I possibly can. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I love you. And uh, goodbye from the basement.